Welcome, and thank you for listening to Optics in Action, where we showcase leaders with vision and clarity. My name is Ryan Weiss, founder and CEO of EPS. Our team is focused on enabling companies to align people and process for increased revenue, profitability, and scalable growth while reducing the frustrations of your employees and customers. If you or someone you know is interested in applying to be a guest on this podcast, you can find more information at podcast.epsoptics.com. Let's get to our next guest. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Optics in Action, where we spotlight leaders with vision and clarity. And today, I'm excited to have a guest with us, Dr. Sue Kane from the Corporate Learning Institute. I've, I met her a few years ago, and we've been collaborating uh, on DISC assessments, and she's just got some amazing knowledge to share. So I am super excited to have Dr. Sue Kane on today to uh, and to spotlight her and the work that she's doing around uh, the DISC assessments for professionals and organizations and uh, and all these types of things. So Dr. Sue, welcome. And uh, we're excited to have you on. What uh, what can you tell us about yourself and, and the Corporate Learning Institute? Happy to be here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. So the Corporate Learning Institute was actually founded in South Haven, Michigan, as the Black River Center way back in the late 80s, everybody. And we were responding at the time to a need for and an increased interest in team building. And we had a conference center actually on the ground in South Haven, where we serviced uh, many, many teams and groups using what we call ropes courses. So if you can imagine uh, here in the Chicago area, we have several, our current partner is the Wheaton Park District, mm -hmm. and I recommend their course very highly, but we, we believe in experiential learning. So our roots are in experiential learning, which is essentially learning by doing, and that's hands-on learning, iterative learning, uh, backing out of a mistake and regrouping around what might work better. That kind of adult engagement is what has informed my practice, which is now based outside Chicago with no conference center, and we still bring portable initiatives into many of our engagements. So we're doing a lot of hands-on learning because adults learn best that way. So our company, Corporate Learning Institute, is how many years is that, Ryan? Let's see, late 80s. Yeah, late uh, 80s. So we're, we're coming up on 35, 40 years, maybe oh somewhere boy. in the mid-30s, something like that. That's right. Very exactly. good. Well, I'm I'm super excited to have you. So, what what was the um what compelled you? So, I understand you're a co-founder of of this corporate learning institute, right? Um, what compelled you to start it? What compelled you um to do this? And why have you continued for for these years, a, a couple of decades now? Like that's this is this is something that seems you're really passionate about. What compels you to uh, to do this? So I'm an entrepreneur by nature. My family, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, graphic designers. And my goal when I went to graduate school at University of Chicago was to come out with a clinical degree, which I did. And then I supplemented that degree with an organizational leadership uh, doctorate degree, EDD. And my passion is in helping clients 
get on with their agenda. So from a performance perspective, it's about helping people find where they can perform at their optimal level, be it individual counseling and coaching. I have a, I have a small uh, select private practice, and then I coach quite a few individuals at different contribution levels. But primarily my passion is honestly, it's uh, helping teams and organizations really get on with their agenda and make their work life happier, more productive. And that's what we do. I do a, a great deal of organizational uh, performance building uh, with online and in-person training and development. Uh, I not only facilitate, but we design our own work. So everything we do is customized. That That keeps me very curious, Ryan. Like, you know, what's going on in this scenario that we can intervene and help with? And we can't fix the past, right? We can't fix it. So we're going to look at the future and we're going to think about how to build that best future together. I love it. That that may be one of my takeaways for this is uh, you stay curious, right? I think if we're always curious and always learning, um, it's, it's one of the things that gets me really excited about helping with people and process and, and alignment is, Every time I go into a new organization, I get to learn about some new way that something's manufactured or some challenge that they're dealing with as a team and uh, the struggle between handoffs between departments and all these types of things. So uh, so staying curious, I think, is genuinely, you know, showing that we care about each other and that we want to learn, I think, is is often uh, probably draws your audiences to you, probably draws the teams together. Yeah. in a way that uh, people like sharing. Is it, do, you, do you find that experience? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, from a, a thorough needs assessment, be it a conversa- series of conversations or surveys, you can really discern what the learning objectives or needs are of any given client. And that's the art and science of putting together what we think of as customized training or coaching. You know, we don't do anything off the shelf as it were here. It's we're really a custom house. Like if you walked into a bakery and there were uh, wrapped goods in there, you'd kind of, you know, like in a little cell bags, you'd probably say, oh, did they make that here? We are definitely a custom bakery. Uh, we we kind of go through that process, as you said, of curiosity and finding out what isn't working for a client, what their pain points are, what their uh, potential gains might be, what, what the culture looks like, how we can begin to best uh, assist them in moving forward, whatever forward looks like. So to do that, we still use some of those outdoor activities that we haul indoors many times. Sometimes we're in the outdoors, but many times we're in the indoors. And when we're online, we're using all sorts of mental gymnastics to keep people engaged. We don't talk at people. We talk with them. I I love it. So what does uh, what what types of teams or clients benefit the most from from what you do? What what are kind of the the teams or clients that you enjoy working with or that enjoy working with you that that get value from the uh from the activities and the the ideas that you've got geez so that's a tough one because we meet teams where they are and we meet leaders and individual contributors where they are and we've had such an amazing career path from working with the writers of Cirque du Soleil to uh, the heads of, of Washington, Washington, of government heads, to 
uh, coaching individuals from very high profile organizations all the way to family run organizations right near my home in the Chicagoland mm-hmm. area. And so we've got this, you know, bandwidth ability mm-hmm. to to kind of work across, if you will, all sorts of, of different organizational uh, um, companies and kind of zoom in on where they are, where they need to go. And so through the years, we just got so much knowledge and we know what doesn't, what's not effective, what doesn't work. We know what works best in any given situation. Sometimes we're called upon to coach and sometimes we're called upon to train um, and offer a customized training. And frequently I'm working with very large corporations, multinationals, who uh, were, were engaging in a series of Zoom uh, team coaching or individual coaching sessions. So this is this is what we do. It's, yeah. There's just no one profile I can cite, but I enjoy working with everybody regardless of where they are, cross marketplace and you know, how, how can we jump in and be most useful is always the curiosity, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so as you think about, um, I often talk about the intersection of people and process. So, so oh. you, you come at the world very much through a lens, it, it seems of, um, of people and leadership and teams and communication and, and personality, uh, like disc assessments or things like that. And uh, and I started my career very much in the chemistry and finance and like oh. the world of things, right? It's like the world of of things and numbers and um. But what and what I've experienced over my career is that this intersection between people and and leaders and leadership and process, the ability to have simple ways of doing things, and um, that intersection is where. Um, sometimes it collides. And, and so I'm curious for your thoughts on um, like, how do you work with people to ensure that they also have some processes or some ways of thinking about things or, or frameworks for, uh, for getting things done? What's your, what's your process for sort of intersecting those two things? Oh, man, I have over the years developed and, uh, and acquired and accrued and developed so many useful tools, models, hand tools that I consider folks to use to reframe. I'm going to give you a real quick one right now, and it's an old tool. So I feel very strongly that the work we do is solution focused. Mm -hmm. And what we don't do is ethereal textbook work. Uh, Sure, we rely on research. Sure, I'm a keen reader of 10 different manuscripts uh, across different business sectors every week. And I stay abreast with the current thinking regarding uh, learning, training, coaching, all of those subject matters. But I'm going to give you a real quick, useful hand tool. When a team is struggling and they are at a kind of a a stopping point where their hesitation and their folks not sure what's going on and people that are perhaps not Uh, contributing at their fullest potential, we often will introduce a tool called the GRIPI model. Now, you might have already heard of this, but many folks have not. And here's what it stands for. Imagine a triangle. And at the top of the triangle, there is a little section called goals. And this is where folks need to be clear on where we're going. Where are we going? What are our goals? 
right underneath there is a little section called roles. What, what am I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? How do we align that? Underneath that are work processes and procedures. Who gets to make decisions? Do I have to run this through anybody? How does workflow happen? At the bottom of the pyramid are interpersonal relationships. And that stands for G goals, R roles, P processes, and I interpersonal relationships. Typically, people come to us and say, our group just isn't meshing. They're just not aligning. We're not getting the work done that we could. And what I find is that, and what research informs us, is that very often that those issues are felt at the interpersonal level, but they're actually stemming from the lack of clarity and alignment on goals and where we're going. And perhaps that's because as a leader, I am moving too quickly and I kind of left my team behind, you know, or maybe that's because... Uh, I'm an extrovert and my folks tend to be quieter and they don't ask for the information they need. So they hesitate. And so we find that that model, just the GRPI model that you can easily Google, or I'm happy to send folks, is just a useful, quick mind tool to use to say, where are we? Are we clear on goals, roles, processes, procedures? And as a result, how is how are our interpersonal relationships? So that model is from a researcher named Noel Titchy, and he did a lot of work on where conflict comes from. And what he found is that 80% of conflict comes from lack of clarity on goals. So that, I think- That makes sense. As you're, as you're talking, I, I'm sort of thinking about different dynamics, different situations in my own life or, you know, teams that I've worked on or observed and uh, that lack of alignment on goals and roles and, uh, and process. And what, what was the fourth one? What was your eye? Goals, roles, process, interpersonal relationships. Interpersonal relationships. And you know, you can do a real quick one to five. How clear are you guys on goals? One to five, five high. How clear are you guys on roles? Yeah. One to five. You can just do a real quick eyeball, uh, you know, well, we call that fist to five. That's another model, which is how clear are you on how we're supposed to have workflow and who makes what decisions? Yeah. Oh, I'm at a two, I'm at a three, you know. Yeah. Um, you can just give a real quick uh, survey orally, verbally, right? Yeah. And, Find and out right. I, I suspect sometimes the, uh, sometimes the leader might think that there's more alignment than some of the other people on the team, right? There might be a little bit of a distribution between different people on the team of somebody might think, oh, our goals are very clear and my role is very clear. And right. They, they may have very, they may think that they're very clear in those things, but there may be other people in the team who aren't feeling that way. So uh, perception is everything. Yeah. Perception is everything. And I think um, I was mistaken. So when you do the, well, Noel Titchy was one of the researchers. I also have a Michael Brim. I like to give credit mm-hmm. to folks that that actually are due the credit. So as your, as your, as your viewers go online, they're going to see a couple of different people credited to this model. Yeah, Noel That's Titchy awesome. and, very, others. Very and others. And others. And others. At all, right? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Very good. So as, as people are thinking about getting this clarity. So do you do you help um, then sort of investigate where this lack of alignment and lack of clarity is coming from and, and help them develop training and ways of, of going about solving it? Is that is that the core to what you do? Yeah. And I, I like to think of training as an um, as an elaborate kind of conversation that's carefully sculpted to get at the issues that a client has. And so 
And so we're not training at people. So we're investing in investigating. Where are you and where do you need to be? So all the tools that we've accrued over the years, my gosh, oh man, I also teach. So I have quite a few files filled with useful yeah. tools like the grippy model to help clients get on with their performance development. But yeah, I mean, you can enter again at any point in, 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 that a leader team or individual contributor are at um, and kind of think through before you do your learning objectives, which tools map to which issue. Because here's the truth. People have a millisecond in their careers to step away from work and focus on something else, a millisecond. Yep. And so the usefulness of this short-term solution-focused kind of practice that we have here is that we get right in and offer a useful tool that can be immediately used, not unpacked over eight articles. Yep, yep. And, so, and do, you, do you find that attention spans are decreasing? Well, I think only because we're asking more of our contributors yeah. in a less amount. Of, I mean, we're asking them to get so much more done. and. Yeah. I think going back to your original question, which very much interests me, you know, what comes to that intersection of people and process? Look, I'm a capitalist. I live in the United States, but I like to call myself a reasonable capitalist because I care very much about human development and, and human happiness. And I'm very concerned that we're heading in a direction strategically that we're not paying attention to human beings mm. and that we have to allow time and room and resources for people to flourish. That's the reason we have a job or that's the reason we have a marketplace full of opportunity. I, I'm thinking is that people can have happy lives. Yeah. So I'm going to bring in um, a couple of heroes. I like Adam Grant's work. I like Peter Black's work who think like human beings. Simon Sinek is good. If, if your viewers want a few like little follow on details as to who to go follow for that humanistic capitalistic view I have. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, but it's a long-term view. Yeah. It's how do we sustain our workforce and keep them happy? What do we need to do? Right. Yeah. As, yeah. as, uh, helpers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I alluded to it a little bit earlier that I, you know, I came at the world through the world of, of, or my lens was sort of the world of process and, and your lens is much more the world of people. The one yeah. thing that I started exploring and started really becoming clear to me over the past several years is that process is only useful to the extent that it enables people to do something. And, uh, and so you know, the, the early career stuff that I had around process and I was going to solve the world's problems through process and things like this became really, it, it, it I, would, I would say it's become exponentially more clear to me as my career has progressed that process is only useful to the extent that it impacts humanity, that it improves the human working condition or, or things like that. And so I have to say that people without process get frustrated process without people is wasted. This has kind of become a mantra for me. Interesting. That, uh, and, mm -hmm. and so I was, I was walking, I was out camping a, a, a couple of, uh, uh, almost probably two years ago now I was in a camping and I was out just taking a walk, hiking. And the word to optics came to me, the word optics. And it has two definitions. One of the definitions is the study of light. It's very scientific lenses and and alignment and focal points and all these scientific things but optics also has a second meaning that alludes to something you said earlier and that is perceptions of people about a situation and so 
all, everything we're doing is all around this, this concept of optics. It's the alignment of people and process, the technical answers, and there's people-related answers to, uh, to problems, and they have to intersect together. Um, so uh, so it, this has been absolutely fascinating talking to you, Dr. Sue. Do, is Dr. Sue okay, or should I have called you Dr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've been called worse. <laughs> I should have asked earlier, um, but it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. So how do people learn more about you? How, where can they go to find out more about you, to connect with you, um, to uh, to learn more about some of the concepts and some of the things that you shared on on this uh, the podcast? Well, I'm going to send you the grippy model for your um, for your use and for you to send out to your viewers, and then uh, they can go to my website. It's corplearning.com, and we have many resources there. I'm happy to send a resource over if somebody were to contact you and you could forward that to me and, and, and tell me, what are you looking for? What kind of hand tool here and now useful uh, hand tool is needed in a given situation to help really unlock people in terms of their ability to move forward? It, it can be anything, time management related, leadership related, um, helping people feel more engaged um, you know, problem solving, conflict uh, management and development, um, whatever the topic, believe you me, I have the tool. So I like these little short vignettes, these little short, useful hand tools, as I call them, mm -hmm. because it helps cut through what I think of as complexity. And sometimes we pretend like things are very complex when they're really not. We can just through simple conversation work through issues and process those together and come out at a very good end. So they can go to my website, they can go to you, they can look at my LinkedIn. And again, I'm happy to connect and happy to send a tool of any topic. Yeah. And I know, I know from working with you um, already over the past couple of years that um, you have been, you know, very, very helpful at um, not just giving an answer, but also providing additional resources and information. So I think you're one of those great resources in my life. And I want to make sure that, uh, that my audience takes takes advantage of that to the extent that it, it creates value for, for you and for them. Um, you know, obviously not take advantage of you, but uh, but work on mutual uh, mutual value creation, because I think that's what we're all here for. So thank you. You can't take it with you, Ryan. You got to give it away. That's right. <laughs> I love your perspective, Dr. Sue. This is this has been awesome having you on the podcast, Optics in Action, where we spotlight leaders with vision and clarity. And uh, and I hope I hope tons of people watch this, get something from it, and uh, and and reach out to learn more about uh, some of the things that you're working on. So thank you again for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Best to your viewers. Thank you for listening to the Optics in Action podcast. If you are interested in the podcast, we welcome you to subscribe on your preferred platform, follow us on LinkedIn, or learn more at epsoptics.com. If you or someone you know is interested in applying to be a guest on this podcast, you can find more information at podcast.epsoptics.com. This is Ryan Weiss thanking you for listening to Optics in Action.